Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homicide Hot Dish, where you get your weekly scoop of true crime. I'm Brittany, and normally this is where my co-pilot, Deanna, would chime in. However, she is on vacation, so I'm flying solo this week. Today, I will be covering Local Murders, Episode 2. For those of you who listened to last week's episode, I'm sure you're saying, wait a minute, in that episode, you said that was episode two. Well, as a reminder, we did remove our very first episode, so technically, that would make last week's episode episode one, and this would be episode two. So anyway, welcome to episode two. Now, with that being said, as I mentioned, Deanna is on vacation, but we will be doing a second helping episode once she gets back. So, like always, make sure to like our Facebook page, Homicide Hot Dish, so you're always in the scoop for when our new episodes come out. Now, we talk hot dish, and this week's recipe some may not consider to be a hot dish because of the name, but it's a hot dish. And it's actually a breakfast hot dish. It's a hash brown egg bake. And in the recipe, again, found on our Facebook page, I included some optional things you can put in it. I personally like veggies and stuff in mine. I like my egg bake loaded. But my husband doesn't think veggies besides like onion and pepper should go in it. So the picture associated with our recipe does not have veggies. But again, you can add them if you'd like to. And I do include that in the recipe as well. So one last time, check that recipe out on our Facebook page. Just search for Homicide Hot Dish. And now to the murder. This is the murder of Jim and Kathy Hively. Now, these murders take place in 2015, and from all of my research, I would say the best way to describe Jim and Kathy Hively is to say that they were the grandparents to the town of Ballatin, Minnesota. Ballatin is a small southern Minnesota town, roughly about 30 miles from the South Dakota border. I found that the population of the town in 2018 was around 630 people. So again, a very small town where everybody is pretty much treated like family. According to the Duluth News Tribune, Jim, who was 75, and Kathy, who was 71, were childhood sweethearts. After graduating, Jim ended up serving in the Army in Hawaii. When he came back from the Army, he married Kathy, just about 10 weeks after her 18th birthday in 1962. The couple started a family, having a daughter and then a son. They ended up farming, and in 1970, they moved into a farmhouse on a 132-acre property near Ballatin, and they made this their home. Jim farmed and also drove truck once in a while, while Kathy ran her own upholstery business and worked at Fabric Plus in Marshall, which is a much larger town about 20 minutes north of Ballatin. After their kids moved out, the couple retired. According to the couple's obituary, Kathy enjoyed quilting, gardening, and making mock angel food cake, while Jim enjoyed camping, campfires, and fishing. As I said earlier, you could say the couple was known as the grandparents of Balaton. They were known as very kind and caring people. Something to show just how kind and caring they were is that the couple started a tradition where they would prepare and serve community Thanksgiving meals at the armory. And a family statement was released that says they would also bake treats to share with the staff members of the local school. According to City Pages, every Sunday the couple would go to church. They wore their faith on their sleeve. They were very committed to their family, their community, and their church. The couple had been married for 53 years. 
A mile across the field from the Hively's home lived 21-year-old Devin Hexum and his 20-year-old brother Derek Hexum, along with their father, their father's girlfriend, and their older brother Drew. According to City Pages, after the brothers' parents divorced, their mother moved to Georgia, and Derek had actually left Ballatin during his freshman year and went to stay with her in Georgia, and then returned back to Ballatin after his high school years. Now, you could say that the Hexham family was the complete opposite of the Hively's. A Ballatin resident had this to say about the Hexham family. Quote, it was really strange, that's for sure. You knew all your neighbors, but them, we didn't know. You might have seen them mowing the yard or out fixing a car. We didn't know who they were until this happened, end quote. A teacher in the town also said, quote, Devin was the most socially functional, smart, but there was what I sensed to be a strong element of bitterness inside. Devin was smart enough to the point. His edge, his coldness, his intelligence, you could tell even when he was younger, was going to be a dangerous combination, end quote. Another teacher had this to say, quote, Devin had no soul, no compassion for others, and he didn't have an ounce of love in his heart for anyone except maybe his dad and brothers, end quote. Also, according to City Pages, there are some stories on the brothers and some rather, I guess you could say, wild things that they've done. One story says the brothers used styrofoam and gasoline to make a napalm, which is a highly flammable substance. Another story talks about how they fixed arrows with bullets in order to cause an explosion. There was also a time in school where Devin and another student had a verbal altercation, and Devin responded loud enough for everyone to hear, saying, quote, Watch yourself. That's how Columbine happened, end quote. Devin ended up getting a 10-day suspension after that. Before the other brother, Derek, left for Georgia with his mom, he got into an argument with another student during gym class. During the argument, he actually ran to the home economics classroom to get a knife, and when he came back, a teacher tackled him to the ground. According to City Pages, a teacher had this to say about Derek. Quote, he was always a friendly kid, but you could always sense just beneath there was his temper and a dark side, end quote. Derek had a friend named Kyle Wesselink, who was two years older than him. One of the teachers said Kyle, quote, was physically scrawny. His clothes were always dirty. He'd come to school smelling like pee. I think if you asked any of his former classmates, they would say Kyle wasn't mentally all there. He was the least scary kid you could imagine, end quote. Kyle kind of moved around and didn't really have a stable house, but eventually did end up living with his grandparents. He dropped out of school at the beginning of his senior year, and he ended up getting his girlfriend pregnant, and they had a son in 2013. Derek and Kyle's friendship continued when Derek came back to Balaton after living with his mother in Georgia. In 2014, Derek and Devin became friends with 30-year-old Danielle Sheff, who had plenty of run-ins with the law. According to City Pages, he has over a dozen arrests. He has an underage consumption, drug possession, DWI, he was caught selling pot. He's got a lot going on. On July 18, 2014, Daniel and the two Hexham brothers, Derek and Devin, got into Derek's truck and headed about an hour northeast of Ballatin to Prairie's Edge Casino. But on the way there, their truck broke down. And now I'm using air quotes on broke down, by the way, and you'll see why. So Devin and Daniel walked down the road looking for help while Derek stayed back at his truck. Suddenly, Devin turns on his friend, Daniel. He demands his wallet, and Daniel is obviously very confused by this as he thought they were friends. Then Derek's truck starts heading towards them. Now you know why I use those air quotes. Daniel tries to quickly find his wallet, but Devin pulls out a handgun and shoots him multiple times. 
Devin got in the truck and the brothers left their friend, more air quotes, to die. Daniel tried to reach a nearby intersection and that's where someone driving by stops to help him and calls 911. Daniel ends up surviving and the brothers were arrested four days later just outside their hometown. According to City Pages, the arrest didn't go down quite so easy. Now again, this is four days later and the brothers are in their truck again when arrested. First, officers find them and tell them to get out of the truck. The brothers do so and act as though they are going to surrender. However, they quickly get back in the truck and try to flee. After about a 45-minute chase, the brothers came close to the South Dakota border and made a phone call to their father. They told him that they were going to drive the truck until they ran out of gas and then they would, quote, end it. A state trooper then ran the truck off the road and into a ditch where it ended up flipping. As the police approached, Derek held a knife to his neck and warned the police that they shouldn't be pointing their guns if they weren't going to use them. Devin took a little different approach. He crawled from the wrecked truck and immediately raised his arms as to surrender. Derek then, kind of hesitantly, also raises his arms. About eight months later, Devin's lawyer made a deal that he would plead guilty to second-degree attempted murder so that first-degree assault charges would be dismissed. During his sentencing hearing, Devin said he isn't really sure why he shot Daniel, but did say that he meant to kill him. He began a 10-year sentence at the Rush City Prison. Now, Derek is claiming that he didn't even know his brother had a gun that night. However, eventually he does plead guilty and gets eight months in jail for felony aiding an offender and four years of probation. He also agrees to stay away from guns and drugs. After Derek got out of jail, he still kept his friendship with Kyle Wesselink, and they also had another friend named Theodore Como, who was 18. Around 7.30 a.m. on Wednesday, April 29, 2015, about nine months after the shooting of Daniel, a couple living near the town of Ghent, Minnesota, which is about 25 miles north of Ballotin, called the authorities to report that their truck had been stolen. According to the criminal complaint, a deputy was dispatched to the residence, and the husband explained that when he and his wife woke up that morning, he discovered that his pickup truck had been stolen from their attached garage. While he was showing the deputy the garage where the truck was parked, he noticed some things were out of place. He noticed that not only was his truck missing, but his 12-gauge shotgun was also missing. Deputies found two sets of shoe prints, one they said was clearly from a pair of Adidas shoes, and the other left a distinct octagon print. Shoe prints were also found coming up to the house along the edge of the field. According to USA Today, a few hours after the couple reported their truck and gun missing, the sheriff's department got a call from a farmer saying he found a pickup truck on fire. And who do you think that pickup truck belonged to? This couple who reported their stolen. According to the criminal complaint, the next day, Thursday, April 30th, 2015, around 7.30 a.m., a call is made to 911. The caller says a farmhouse is on fire. The farmhouse belongs to Jim and Kathy Hively, the couple who earlier I said was pretty much known as the grandparents to Balaton. The 911 caller was their son, Brad. A deputy immediately went to the scene where he was met by the Hively son. Brad was worried that his father might still be in the house because he says he was known as a homebody and didn't really get out much. Multiple phone calls were made to Kathy's cell phone, but none were answered. Officers then found her burnt car in the garage and started to get a feeling that she might also be in the house. According to the Star Tribune, after the fire was extinguished, the bodies of Jim and Kathy were discovered in their bedroom of the charred home. 
And according to Fox 9 Minneapolis St. Paul, the Ramsey County Medical Examiner confirmed that the couple died as a result of homicide due to gunshot wounds. Authorities got a tip that a silver car was seen earlier near the farm. Now they needed to find it. According to CBS Minnesota, just six hours after that house fire was reported, police found that car. They pulled over a silver Monte Carlo that had two people inside. Driving was Kyle Wesselink, and his passenger was Theodore Como. Police searched the vehicle and found five firearms in the trunk wrapped in plastic sheeting. One of the guns was the 12-gauge shotgun stolen from the couple that lived near Ghent. Officers asked the Hively's son, Brad, if the couple had any firearms in their home. He said yes, they did. However, when an investigator at the Hively home checked where the guns were usually kept, they weren't there. Officers took pictures of the other guns found in Kyle's trunk and sent the picture to Brad, who confirmed that three of the guns were his father's. I never did find out who the last remaining gun belonged to. According to City Pages, authorities noticed that Theodore was wearing Adidas shoes, which had the same shoe print pattern that was found at the earlier burglary near Ghent. The two were immediately brought in for questioning. According to court documents during Kyle's interview, he gave partially true statements at first. In his first interview, he says he gave Derek and Theodore a ride to the town of Ghent on April 29th and dropped them off in town. He says the next night, April 30th, he gave them a ride to the Hively's home, but says he never got out of the car. He says he stayed in the car while Derek and Theodore got out. He says then after a few minutes, he saw the house and garage were both on fire. He says Derek and Theodore came back to the car and Derek was carrying something large that was wrapped in plastic. Kyle did admit that he knew that it was guns. He says Derek put the guns in the trunk and the three of them left the burning house. During Kyle's follow-up interview, he finally tells the whole story. He admits that he knew Derek and Theodore were going to commit a burglary when he dropped them off in Ghent. He says that on their way to Ghent, Derek and Theodore noticed that there were some knives in the car, and they tried convincing him to let them take some of his knives with them. He also says that when the three of them went to the Hively's the next day, they told him that they were going to set the house on fire. He said that Theodore was driving the Hively's Lincoln, and Derek was riding with Kyle. He then says this is when Derek tells him that he killed the Hibleys and that they have to get rid of any evidence. After they set the house on fire, Kyle says they went to Derek's house and hid the guns in a dump by a grove. After that, they went to Marshall. He says earlier that day, Derek told him to get the guns and then come back to Marshall to meet him, but he told him to also drive past the Hively home to see if it was on fire yet. Kyle, with Theodore as his passenger, then heads to meet up with Derek, but this is when he gets pulled over. During Theodore's interview, he comes clean about everything immediately. He says Kyle dropped him and Derek off in Ghent to commit that burglary. He says he and Derek then went to a rural residence and stole a pickup truck and a 12-gauge shotgun. He says then they went to the Hively residence to commit a second burglary. Theodore says he opened the door to the Hively home and Derek went inside with the 12-gauge shotgun they stole from the previous burglary in Ghent. Derek had the shotgun at his shoulder, ready to shoot. Theodore says he stayed outside by a tree and covered his ears, as I'm sure he knew what was probably going to happen. He said soon after that, he heard four or five shots and someone screaming. Derek had entered the bedroom where Jim and Kathy had been sleeping and shot them both. Theodore tells the investigators that he then went inside the home to steal some items and then Derek told him to go get the truck and back it up to the door. Once they left, they also took Jim Hively's Lincoln. He says that they burned the stolen pickup truck from Ghent and drove back to Marshall, but did keep the Hively's Lincoln for the day. 
He says the day after the murders on April 30th, he went to a gas station and filled up a gas can and put gas in the Lincoln. He then met up with Kyle and Derek and they all drove back to the Hively residence where he poured gas on the Lincoln and the garage and then lit them on fire while Derek lit the house on fire. After Kyle and Theodore's interviews, Derek was arrested at his home a few hours later. According to court documents, when authorities got to Derek's home and were still outside, Derek peeked outside and immediately shut the door and tried to flee. However, he was arrested and transported to the jail. Authorities found a camera that belonged to the Hivelys in Derek's pocket. They also found a pair of shoes with tread that appeared to match the octagon pattern that was found at the earlier burglary near Ghent. A police report also stated that his shoes had a strong smell of gasoline. However, when confronted about this, Derek denies even knowing about the crimes. He says he was actually at a friend's place in Marshall at the time and wasn't even around Ballotin. But even though Derek now faces two counts of second-degree murder, three counts of first-degree murder, first-degree arson, and second-degree arson. Theodore faces two counts of second-degree murder, three counts of first-degree burglary, and first- and second-degree arson. While Kyle faces a few lesser charges, he faces charges for first-degree arson, first-degree burglary, and possession of stolen property. According to the Marshall Independent, during the court hearing in March of 2016, not quite a year after the murders, Derek submits a plea petition to the judge. The petition says that he would plead guilty to the charges of first-degree burglary, two counts of first-degree murder, first-degree arson, and second-degree arson. It also included prison sentences for the burglary and arson charges to be served congruently with his probation violation sentence that he had received earlier for a conviction of aiding an offender. Now, the petition says in exchange for that, he would be sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole for the murder charges. Now, during the hearing, Derek was questioned by the judge and prosecuting attorneys. Derek admitted that he and Theodore did go to the residence near Ghent and did steal items from there, those items being that truck and 12-gauge shotgun. He says he and Theodore then went to the Hively's farmhouse, but he says he blacked out and doesn't remember killing Jim and Kathy. Imagine that, a criminal who says he blacked out. However, when he was questioned further, he didn't dispute being in the Hively's home, having that 12-gauge stolen shotgun with him, and shooting the Hively's with that stolen shotgun. Derek does end up pleading guilty and admits to breaking into the Hively home and killing Jim and Kathy, and then coming back later to set the house on fire. According to Lakeland Broadcasting, in a court document, Derek said he had been treated by a psychiatrist in the past and at one time had been a mental health patient, but says he had not been ill recently and wasn't undergoing any treatment. He said he knew what he was doing during the crime and that he couldn't blame drugs or alcohol for what he had done. Derek was given two life sentences plus 15 years for the murders of Jim and Kathy Hively. According to the Marshall Independent, Theodore and Kyle also pleaded guilty, and Theodore received consecutive sentences of more than 20 years in prison for each of two counts of aiding in second-degree murder charges and a four-year sentence for aiding in first-degree burglary. Kyle was sentenced to 52 months in prison for aiding an offender. Now again, as I said previously, the Hivelys were so well-known and treated everybody as family, so it only made sense for the community to come together after this horrible tragedy. According to the Duluth News Tribune, Fire Chief Troy Wenlin says that two days after the Hively home was discovered in flames, he, along with other neighbors, came together and brought their own farm equipment over to help the Hively's son Brad get crops in the field next to the charred remains of the Hively home. 
USA Today released a statement from the Hively families. I will read a portion of that here, and I just want to say it does mention Jesus and God, and I know that some people do not believe that there is a God, but just know that this family holds God very close to their hearts, and we should all respect that whether you agree with it or not. It reads, quote, We want Jim and Kathy to be remembered for the loving, hardworking farm couple they were. They were parents who loved, cared for, and served their family, friends, and neighbors. They modeled the love and service of Jesus in daily life. We want them to be remembered for the couple that for over 20 years faithfully prepared and served a community Thanksgiving meal at the Armory. We want them to be remembered for baking and sharing treats with all the local school staff members. We want them to be remembered for dedicated lives to live by the Word of God while they taught it and mentored many others to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. We want them to be remembered for their tireless prayers of intercession for their nation, all those in places of authority, their families, community pastors, leaders, and friends in need, end quote. Now, instead of canceling the Hively's tradition of preparing and serving a community Thanksgiving meal, according to Carrie Levin, the couple's daughter-in-law says she knew the meal would go on. She says, quote, you can have tragedy in your life and so much to be thankful for. Mom and dad would want us to go forth and thank goodness for our faith, end quote. One person who attended the meal said, quote, It takes care of an awful lot of people that enjoy coming here and an awful lot of people that really need it. Just a great thing for the community, and it will always be. It will just get a little bigger each year, end quote. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening, and be sure to stay tuned for when our next Local Murders episode will be coming out.